praise on that. I believe God's going to satisfy some thirst here this morning. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews but the hour is coming and is now here amen the hour is here and it is now when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth and the woman said to him I know that the Messiah is coming he who is called the Christ when he comes he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with the woman. But no one said, why do you, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into a town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. I know I let, read a lot of scripture there, but I wanted to talk to you this morning about this woman. This woman who is renowned throughout the scripture for her past. Renowned throughout the scripture for the things that she did. Renowned throughout the scripture for the things that she was not wanting to be remembered for. How many of you are remembered for some things that you're not wanting to be remembered for? Amen? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand. You are a smart audience this morning. Amen. <laughs> You, many of us were remembered for things that we don't want to be remembered for. And as we honor mothers on this day, let's not make the mistake of thinking this message is just for the ladies in the house. Amen? Let's not make that mistake even though we're honoring mothers today. In the title, Looking Past, many believers disqualify who they were created to be by looking at their past when we need to look past our past. I'll say that again. Many believers disqualify who God has created them to be because we're looking at our past. We need to begin to look past our past and see what God is calling us into. Now listen, the phrasing of this may be subtle, but if you'll implement it in your life, it'll become revolutionary. The phrasing of this may be subtle. Look past your past, but many of you love the phrase, but you don't do the action and therefore your past is still revolutionizing your future instead of letting Jesus Christ revolutionize your future. Hmm. If we don't quit looking at our past, it will begin to revolutionize our future. But if we begin to look past our past, Jesus Christ will begin to revolutionize our future and create us to who we were destined to be in this life. So who is this woman? Whatever became of this encounter? Many of us, when we read this story, we celebrate what happened because of her past, but in doing so, we really never let her get past her past. When you think of this story, what is the famous line you always think about? 
Oh, she was a woman. She had five husbands, and the one she's with now isn't really even her husband. Thank God for the grace of Jesus who saw past her past, but we as a society have never let her get past her past. <laughs> because every time this message is preached, this is brought up. We seldom skip all that part and say she brought a whole city to Jesus Christ. Can we celebrate her future? But no, we stop and we always got to bring up her past before we can let her walk into her future. Can I tell you, you, when you were born again, Jesus has erased and he says, I remember your sins no more. And he doesn't think about your past. He's only thinking about your future. And listen, he doesn't need the testimony of your past to prove how good you'll be in the future either. I'm excited for what God is going to do in the lives of people this morning as we get past our past. And we love to put emphasis on those verses that I just mentioned. Jesus said, go and get, your, get her husband. She says, I don't have one. And Jesus said, you're right, for you have had five. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth, the woman, or he said to the woman. Wow. When will it be the day in the body of Christ? When we look at people according to the Spirit of God on them and in them and see their future, rather than making them outlive their past to get to their future. I know that's tough, but I'm so glad when Jesus called Peter, he didn't say, you got to outlive being a fisherman to be my disciple. He said, no, just come, follow me, and I'll make you a disciple, a fisher of men. See, some reason Jesus can do something that we in society have not evolved into yet, and that is this. Can we see people from right where they're at into where they're going? Why do we got to get a, a, a record of their past, which will then begin to jade our sight of what they can be in the future? You know, I'm so glad God doesn't hold my past against me, but he sees the blood of Jesus and says the blood of Jesus has changed your past. And all as I see now is a purchased person, righteous and holy, purchased by the blood of Jesus. And I see a bright future ahead. But see, even some people in my own city, the city that we live in here, don't even let me get past my past. Whether good or bad, Joel, you played soccer great in high school. I got that comment just the other day. Can I not? That's 20-some years ago. Can I not get past my past? Joel, I remember when you were in elementary school, you were in developmental learning classes, and you weren't the smartest kid. Can you let me get past my past? Yeah. It's a true story. I was in developmental classes all the way through fifth grade. See, even a developmentally slow kid can, can become a doctorate in something. But you got to get past your past. But the thing is, if you don't start looking past your past, nobody else ever will. You are the initiator of looking past your past because Jesus Christ has already done it. And when preaching this message, we have actually, now, now listen to this real clearly, in preaching this message so often, we have actually used her sinful life to emphasize the power of God rather than the power of God that was on Christ to get her past her sin. For some reason, we got to figure out how bad something was to figure out how good God is. <laughs> And we've used how sinful her past was to emphasize the power of God. But listen to this. If in our testimony, your personal testimony, of the saving power of God, if we have to rely on how bad we were to show us how good God is, then the power of our testimony is rooted in our sin and not the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to say that again. If you're going to talk about how good God is, but first you've got to preface it by how bad you were, your testimony is rooted in the power of your sin, not the power of the blood of Jesus that got you out of that sin. Mm, I was hoping we'd get a resounding applause on that, but, but so many of us, we, gotta, we think we've got to talk about how bad we were to emphasize how good God is. And I'm telling you, that's not the case. If you'll just begin to emphasize how good God is, They'll begin to see the goodness of God for their life. And they won't compare their sinful past to your sinful past. Because when we have to declare our sinful past to talk about how good God is, I believe your faith is more rooted in how bad you were than how good God truly is to this day. And you're not getting past your past to look to the future of God for your life. Now many of us think that the count of this woman ends with simply the woman having a citywide revival. But can I tell you, there's so much more to this woman's story. I want to invite my wife up to the stage this morning. Y'all give her a hand clap as she comes this morning. As she begins to read this morning, I want you to hear the historical life of what this woman did after the fact of the resurrection. Now, I came across this book uh, an FOP, Festival of Plates, a couple of years ago, and I uh, didn't read it till about a year after it was uh, given to me, and when I came across the story of this woman, it was almost like a mic drop, and I'm going to read a few words, so I need you to bear with me, and I hope that it ministers to you, because there's a great story in what this woman did uh, that can actually change your life as well. Says her name is Fatina. Her name is Greek and means enlightened one. It was the name she adopted when she was baptized in the Christian faith. As he did with all of us, Jesus flooded her world with a revelation of light. As a devout believer in Christ, she was numbered with those who were gathered in the upper room. When the Holy Spirit came upon their number and power, she was there. A tongue of fire rested on her, and she was filled with the Spirit and began to speak in another language. On Pentecost, Fotina received the commission to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our brave sister left behind everything that she represented, the limits and the comfort of the life she had known, and traveled to a distant land in Africa. Fotina, her son Joseph, and her sisters journeyed the uttermost parts of the world, just as Jesus commanded in Acts 1.8. In Africa, they all labored faithfully, spreading the gospel of Christ in Carthage, producing astounding fruit. The news reached them that Nero, deranged emperor, was arresting the persecuted Christians throughout his realm. Fotina sought God's wisdom. Jesus appeared to her in a dream and instructed her to go to Rome and confront him. So rather than move beyond Nero's reach, they headed straight into the eye of the storm. Not surprisingly, Nero was less than receptive. He ordered that those who claimed to be in the hands of Jesus would have their hands beaten with iron rods. The guards took Fotina and all those in her company away to be beaten for their boldness. Over the next three hours, their hands were brutally beaten with iron rods, but the Christians felt no pain and sang psalms while their torturers exhausted themselves. No, not one of the Christ followers had as much as a mark on their hands. When Nero discovered that the beatings had no effect on them, he imprisoned them and devised a plan to conceive Fotina and her sisters to convert. This time he intended to turn them to his will with kindness. He ordered six thrones set up in a large banquet hall before the, these thrones. He arranged to have every manner of Roman wealth arrayed before the sisters. No expense was 
spared in the preparation of collection that would appeal to the feminine soul. Y'all can relate. Uh, in addition to gold and silver, there were jewels and magnificent garments laid out before each woman. These riches and a life of ease and beauty would be theirs if they would only renounce their Christian faith and sacrifice to the Roman deity. To persuade them toward this end, he commissioned his very own daughter, Dominia, to act as his agent. When Dominia entered the room, she greeted Fotina warmly and in the course of her salutation mentioned Christ. Fotina mistook her for a fellow believer and after embracing her, she openly shared the transforming love and wonder of her Christ with the one she presumed to be a sister. Dominia was undone and rather than refute Fotina, she converted to Christianity. But she was not alone in her conversion. Her serving girls were converted as well. As they listened to the bold preaching to the gospel by the sisters, then Fotina instructed Dominia and her servants to remove all the wealth from the room and distribute it freely among the poor they had found in the streets of Rome. Dominia was baptized and received a new name. Nero was enraged. He ordered Fotina, her sisters, and her sons to be put to death by fire. He had a large furnace constructed, but when they were thrown into the furnace, they wouldn't catch fire. Nero ordered them executing, to be executed by poisoning. When the poisoner came, Fatina volunteered to be the first in her company to drink, but the toxins had no effect on her or any of the Christians. Then the one Nero had sent to poison them converted to Christ. They may, remained imprisoned for their faith, and over the next three years, they were beaten and subjected to every form of torture the twisted emperor could invent. Nero ordered the immediate beheading of all the Christians he held in prison. The only exception was Fatina. He hoped to break her resolve through the grief and isolation, so he had her removed from the prison and lowered into a deep, dark, dry well. She died there in the depths of that dry well, but not from despair, but by choice. Like Stephen, she beheld her Savior in a dream and yielded her spirit. But this is not how it began for Fatina. There was a time when she too was so deeply immersed in a sinful lifestyle that she was seen as nothing more than a shamed outsider. She was a woman with a past living under the jurisdiction of a law that left her without the hope of a future. Scripture lends us to a window into this woman's background. When we first meet her, she is unnamed, divorced, displaced. Her life was so conflicted on so many fronts that no one imagined she could ever minister. Before she took the name Enlightened One, Fotina was known to us only by an ethnic designation. We met her when we listened in on her private interchange with Jesus. She is our friend, the Samaritan woman. How amazing that this woman who formerly had five husbands would one day labor alongside her five sisters. Because in the Bible, the number five symbolizes grace. And in her case, she experienced grace upon grace. We don't know much about this woman. And the Bible isn't very clear as to what happened after she and Jesus had this confrontation, this, this communication at the well. But look what happened. Look how her story did not end. Now, Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Fatina was unnamed. Sometimes you feel unnamed. Sometimes you feel like you're at the red light. Does anybody really ever see you? Does anybody at work really ever notice you? You feel like maybe you're invisible. 
That's the way she felt. She was going to the well at a time of day that was not to be expected that most people would be there. But a man was there that changed her life. You know, there's a lot of things that we can judge ourselves on and we can judge who we are, but it is not our place to say, I am not like that person. Who am I if I can't do that? That's where God comes in. That's where he changes it up for you. That's where you trust him and allow his grace to be more powerful than the measuring stick that you're using against yourself. Because if Fatina had done that, she would have never gone to the village and started spreading the news of who she was. She would have never been in that upper room being that woman that changed the destiny of what Christianity looked like in Europe. Can you imagine going to Africa being the woman that is changing the atmosphere and moving mountains and then decides to just show up to some man who's killing other Christians and go, hey, listen, I want to tell you about somebody. But you know what? Sometimes being that person for your kids, being that person for your husband or your wife, that takes strong courage to be who you are, to be the person that God's called you to be because the Samaritan woman had no clue what was ahead of her. Sometimes God doesn't lay out before you what the path ahead of you is for you to take. Because I think if the Samaritan woman had known where her life was headed, she might have hesitated. But her boldness took her farther than she could have ever had imagined. So please understand, when you hear this story, when you hear what Fatina did, she changed a landscape of things for so many people. It was so obvious that when she returned back to Nero that she had no fear and she did not let her emotions dictate who she was. Don't let your emotions dictate who you are because God has already called you a princess to the Most High King, right? And so just because Fatina's story was not over, your story is not over. So please understand that you have a story to tell. Your story today it's still continuing. You may think that you've messed up and things have gone the wrong way, but you still have so many more choices to make. And God is going to do that for you. But you also have to choose. Am I choosing him or am I choosing my emotions? Because I'd rather choose him. His grace is sufficient. I'm no longer going to live under the law of sin, but I am going to choose grace. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Wow, how we have judged some people and never really saw what they got past in their past. See, I was always amazed by this woman about what happened to her in the moment, but what happened to her for the rest of her life. Oh, that's why she is called Saint Fotina now in many of the Orthodox circles around Africa and Europe. She was not only just a woman of God, she was elevated to the title of Saint. If you want to get a full documentary, and, and there's a lot more to that story, you can click on the, if you're on the app, you can click on the website link that I got under the point where it says Sherry T. Meyer, and it'll pull up the full documentary of how some of them were skinned alive, about how some of them were beaten profusely, and all the other things that have taken, pla pa taken place in her life. And so I want to encourage you, if in our testimony of the saving power of God, if we have to rely on how bad we were, 
to show how good God is, then the power of our testimony is rooted in our sin and not in His blood. I want to encourage you today that forget how bad you used to be. There's a future ahead of you. There's a future in store for you. And there's a life ahead of you that if we'll embrace who God has called us to be looking forward and we'll begin to look past our past into the future of who He has for us, it will not only change our life, but it'll change the life of the generations following us. We know that today is not only Mother's Day, but it's child dedication service. And in just a few minutes, all the kids are going to come in and they're going to come and be seated with you. And parents, I want to encourage you, whether your child's two weeks old or whether your child's about to turn 18 and move out of the house, it's never too late to redeem all the time that you have missed. But I want to encourage you today as you dedicate your children to the Lord. And this is a very informal process, but a very profound and spiritual process at TWBC. And so in just a minute, as your kids are going to come be seated with you for a moment, when we have an altar call, I want you as a family, if you would like to dedicate your children, and it doesn't matter if they're, they're two days old, two hours old, or they're about to turn 18, or they're still living in your house at 23. Amen. Amen. Come on now. <laughs> Amen. We got some of that, I guess. Hey, listen, it's never too late to make this decision. But here's the deal. I open this message by saying this. When I open the title, the title is Looking Past, and many believers disqualify who they were created to be by looking at their past when we need to look past our past. And here's where the, the phrasing may be subtle, but the implementation will be revolutionary. See, a lot of times we come to church and we hear great, impactful, powerful, Holy Spirit anointed messages, but if we never implement what we heard, the revolution never begins to take place. If we never begin to implement in our lives today what God is doing in our hearts, we never begin to see the transformation. Listen, it's not only revolutionary for you, but it even changes the course of the next generation. The thing about dedicating our child to the Lord is that it first requires a change in us before a change in them. See, a lot of us want to dedicate our children to the Lord and say, Good God, this is now your kid. You do it in their life. <laughs> No, the truth of the matter is by us dedicating our children to the Lord, it makes a change in us happen that says, God, as long as they're under my covering in my house, I'm going to take personal responsibility. I'm going to be that woman of God. I'm going to be that man of God that begins to look past my past and begins to live for the future that you called for me to live. So by example and default alone, they are seeing what it looks like for a man and woman of God to follow after Christ and follow after the vision in their heart. See, it's going to require a change in you. A lot of us make this mistake and we say we must sacrifice everything for our kids. And I believe you could not be one, uh, I, could not, I believe you could not be 100% more wrong in that thinking. You do not need to sacrifice everything for your kids. In fact, you need to do just the opposite. You need to live life to the very fullest in front of your kids so you teach them how to live a life fulfilled in the calling of God on their life. See, a lot of us as parents, we say you need to run after the destiny of God for your life. Follow after the will of God for your life. When we are doing the exact opposite, trying to become a holy martyr and say, I'm giving up everything for my kids. No, in fact, you're teaching them how to die, not teaching them how to live. I want to be a church that teaches our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids how to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, not die on the altar of false humility. Oh, to live as an adult, 
with the freedom in Christ Jesus to look past our past because it's going to influence the generation following us. And if you only live out your past in front of them, they'll repeat it. But if you live out your destiny in front of them, they'll follow it. And let's watch what God begins to do. We must not teach our children with the bondages of our past, but the freedom that Jesus Christ has paid for with His blood. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. What does that mean in Joel's personal life? It means God has called me to do more than just make sure my kids get baptized. He's called me to preach the gospel to my kids, but not with such great speech as upon a platform, but with the power of God operating in my life day to day. I must preach with my actions in the power of God more than words could ever say. Oh, to be parents that preach to their kids with their actions of discipline, their actions of righteousness, their actions of what God is doing in their heart to get past their past and look to the destiny because the next generation is looking for it. And if they don't find believers living it out in front of it, they'll find it in the world. It's just an ungodly standard rather than a godly standard. If we do not get past our past, it will become their future. If I could have all the kids just begin to come and line up along the front here and remain standing. If we do not get past our past, it becomes Luke's future, Riker's future, Jeremiah's future, and the future of every child following them. Parents, I need you to get past your past for the sake of this generation. Parents, I need us to get past our past for the sake of what God wants to pour out on them. I need us to get past our past and see what God has in store. If one of these amazing children are yours, I'd like you to stand this morning. Oh, don't be ashamed of them. Stand up. Come on now. Amen. We love you as parents. We empower you as parents. Hey, if you're one of these young ones right here, I want you, as your parents are standing, would you go to your parents this morning? As the worship team begins to come this morning and lead us in worship. As the ministers come and begin to pray this morning. Churches, we're going into this song. I want to encourage you this morning that your life is not finished. In fact, it's just beginning. At this time, as we get ready for the child dedication service, part of the service... If you want to dedicate your children to the Lord, I would ask that you do this. Come and spend a few moments in prayer at the altar call. Come and spend a few moments in prayer at the altar call with your family and your child that you're dedicating to the Lord. But then I want you to go with your family and line up on the west wall over there. And as the altar call concludes this morning, we're going to bring you across the front. And you're going to stand here as a family and we're going to pray over you. We're going to lay our hands on you. We're going to give you a certificate as you dedicate your children to the Lord. And some of you are saying this, Pastor, I did it a couple years ago, but since then I've really missed the boat. <laughs> well, maybe it's time for you to make a strong decision, not just a decision that sounds good. I'm not saying you got to rededicate your children, but you're welcome to, but you may need to rededicate yourself in front of the church and come up here with your family to say, the change happened in them, but it hasn't in me, so now I'm going to stand before my church and I'm going to make a change. 
I'm going to make a change in my life that will affect the next generation. Because if we do not get past our past, it becomes their future. Would you all stand with me this morning? Oh, the only way to get past your past is through Jesus Christ and His shed blood. And the Bible says this, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Say that with me, say new creation. They be a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come and all this is from God. Parents in the house, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to come and I want you to make a decision to follow Christ wholeheartedly and be born again. Born again is only where it starts though. It's the event that kicks off the fullness of your salvation. Some of you have been living at that born-again moment, but you've never started walking out your salvation. And I want to encourage you as parents and, and young people this morning to come and make a fresh commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe you've missed it. Maybe you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, but you've still been living in your past and haven't gotten past your past. Some of you need to sell out and say, Jesus, I'm ready to get past my past today. And come and pray on your own or pray with one of us. If you want to dedicate your children, I'm going to ask that you make some time and spend with prayer, but then begin to line up on that west wall as soon as I say amen from this prayer. If God's calling you to join this church and become a part of the TWBC family and get planted here with us, man, I want you to come at this time. We would love to pray with you, and we'd love to see God move in your life. Would you bow your heads as we close in prayer this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. God, help us get past our past. And press in to the future that you've called us to. God, as you walk us past our past, I pray for born-again experiences with you this morning. As you walk us past our past, I pray for this morning people to say, it's time to me to start living on purpose with a purpose because the next generation depends on it. Father, I thank you for all the families that will dedicate their children this morning. And parents, I'm going to ask you to do this. Some of you are questioning, should I dedicate my child? They're in third grade or fourth grade or fifth grade or sixth grade. I'm going to ask you to swallow your pride this morning. In fact, I'm going to actually take you a step further. I'm going to ask you to give up your pride this morning. Don't swallow it. I don't want it on the inside of you. I want you to get rid of it. Would you give up your pride this morning because the next generation is too precious for us to live another day in pride of what will people think if I bring my sixth grader, my eighth grader to the front? It's not about what people think. It's about making a commitment to the Father that you're going to walk out your days getting past your past so they have a future.